have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them. <clears throat> Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as we continue on in our series, what I call Church Reboot, Renewed Hope and Renewed Focus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll read in just a few moments our text for this morning, verses 11 through 15. Welcome, welcome, welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church. Some of you joining us online, welcome to you. Thank you, Matt, the rest of the worship team um, for leading us. Just that last song, holy, holy, holy. We will be singing that falling on our faces before a holy God for all of eternity. Special welcome this morning to Mr. and Mrs. Monsell, who are visiting with us for the very first time as husband and wife. Congratulations to Matt and Amy. <clears throat> really, really a key subject. And I am glad that so many of you are here this morning. We're talking about the importance of togetherness, of being together, and what happens when we are together as a local church speaking into one another's life and how important that is for us because that's what we do as the local church. Sometimes we have to say things to one another that aren't always fun or easy for us to hear or pleasant, but it's necessary. It's needed. Back a number of years ago, um, it was in the summertime. I remember because both of our Kids were home from college. I think Sarah was in her sophomore year. Seth was going into his senior year. And it was a Sunday morning. And I must have made the comment um, that I was tired on a Sunday morning. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. And, and Seth said, hey, Dad, I, I got something for you. He said, I got this new gum. It's this loaded gum. It's got caffeine in it. And, and he said, you need to take some of this. And this will wake you up. Like you, this will really, really help you. I was like, hey, you know, of course. Advice from a 19, 20-year-old kid's got to be solid, right? I remember I, I took the gum, and it's like just automatically. I don't need, like, I don't need a lot of coffee in the morning. I just need a little. And it just, like, seriously, like, hyped me up. We were back at the old school. I was preaching two um, services, if you remember that. And and I was just amped. Like, I was, like, seriously wired. And, and after the first service, uh, one of the guys that uh, holds me accountable came up to me. He's like, hey, hey, Bogart, like, what'd you do this morning? I'm like, nothing. Why? Why? Everything's fine. He's like, did you, did you take something? He goes, you just seem a little amped up. I'm like, no, everything's fine. You cool? I'm good. How about you, huh? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, he goes, I said, I, I did have this, this little bit of gum I, my son gave me. It's, like it's, it's bolted up, you know. He looked at me and he said this, don't ever take that again. Don't ever take that again. You know, I, I think at times we have to have one another speaking into our life, even if it's what something that we don't always want to hear. Maybe, maybe we just need a tweak or an adjustment. Our subject before us, the text before us. Okay, you need to look left and right, right, at this very moment. We have to, as a local church, if we're going to be obedient to the Word of God, we have got to learn in love to speak truth 
into one another's lives. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we begin and ask for God's help as we listen to the Word of God and, Lord willing, learn from the Word of God this morning. Let's pray. What a delight it is, Lord, to come before your throne this morning as your own children gathered together, family. Thank you that you love us the way that you do. You patiently take hold of our hand and and walk with us every single day. Father, as we now have a day before us in the beauty of your creation, to be taught what it means to be a local church and a faithful local church, we would ask, Lord, I would ask for your help. I I need guidance. I need wisdom from above. Father, we, we, we ask that that you would protect us as we are called and commissioned to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to live it out. I pray, Lord, that everything that is said and done would be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. What happens with the series is we've got to kind of step back just a little bit and we have to grab the big picture, hold on to what we have learned so far. I think this is like week six. We've learned, first of all, that we have this ministry by the mercy of God, which means that our gathering together like this, and there's a lot of work that goes into even getting together on a Sunday morning, or serving one another, or sacrificing, or calling to make disciples, the community that we live in, the calling to fulfill the mission and the vision that God has given to us. All of this is a blessing. It's a blessing by God. It's by God's mercy. It's certainly not a burden. And that in truth encourages us. We don't lose heart. We refuse to tamper with the truth of the gospel and we proclaim Christ and only Christ. We learned as well that we have what? This treasure, this blessing in jars of clay. That's who we are in our weakness and in our brokenness. All of that is to show the surpassing power belongs to God. That he is at work in our life. It's not your beauty, sorry. It's not your brilliance. It's not your intelligence. It's not your ability to have the power of your own what? Voice to craft your words according. It's none of that. It's all to show the surpassing power belongs to God. We learn we have the same spirit of faith, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ can raise and will raise us also. So the ministry that we have, the boldness, the assurance... The grace that we extend, the mercy that we extend, the love that we extend, we do that all what? Based in faith on the resurrected Jesus. Since Jesus is alive, we can trust. We can know it's true. We talk about the fact that our elder self is wasting away as you wake up every morning with more kinks and groans. You realize what? That our inner self is being renewed because this light momentary affliction is preparing us for the weight of eternal glory. Yes, this tent that we are in, this home is being destroyed, but it's a great reminder that we groan. We literally groan for the glories of heaven. 
We're always of good courage. We looked at that last week twice. It repeats the same phrase. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by sight, trusting that we, when the time comes, we're no longer in this body. We will be at home with the Lord. All of this is in preparation for the jarring conclusion that we saw last week that we have to keep the very forefront of our hearts and our minds that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one will receive what is due them, whether good or evil. Remember as well, each one, which means that you are not going before the Lord with your spouse. You're not going before the Lord with your family. We're here together as a posse. We're not going as a church. We're not going as a community or a country. We go individually. It's with that thought of why we have this individual instruction this morning from the Word of God. Let me direct your attention to verses 11 through 15, the Word of the Lord. <clears throat> Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the hearts. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Pastor of the Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, his name is Greg Gilbert was traveling overseas. He was in East Asia in a country that is persecuted, where Christians cannot worship openly like this. We would not be allowed. He was visiting a, a Christian brother in the Lord who was excited to show Pastor Greg something. He actually took him to a store, and in the back of the store there were books. There were Christian books people could buy. Pastor Greg was shocked by this. He said, like, in this country, there's Christian books. And, 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 and he recognized, like some of the authors, these were good books. They're books on discipleship, books on personal growth and sanctification, books on theology, books on how to manage your money as, as, as a believer. And the man asked Pastor Greg, he goes, but what's the one thing that you notice different about these books than any other books that you could buy? And he thought about it. He's like, I, I don't. He's like, what don't you see here? He still didn't get it. He's like, I'm, it's like there's some good books here. The guy said, there is no church. There, there's no books on the subject of the local church. There's no books on ecclesiology. And he explained, he said, the government does not have a problem. The government doesn't have a problem with people what growing in their individual faith. But what? The government does not want people growing together, relying on one another, an entire group of people. 
They're gathered, what, worshiping another king, King Jesus. That's the problem. He concluded. We have something before us in this text that reminds us of what Ray Steadman said, that the church has been the most powerful force for good on the face of the earth. You realize that? The church of Jesus Christ has been the most powerful force for good on the face of the earth. Why? Because we care about things that other people don't care about. Number one, we care about spiritual integrity. In verse 11, it begins with this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. You know the, the we part? Remember the ten times the pronoun we was used in the previous verses? The we is preparing us for the each one moment, which means that there's a responsibility that falls on every single one of us. Paul not only feels the weight, Paul the author here not only feels the weight of that responsibility, the author wants you to feel the weight of that responsibility as well. We are to care for one another. Now, if you recall the listening audience here, what the letters addressed to the church at Corinth and the Corinthians had wandered far from the Lord. They were what? They were going to receive what is due them, and there was some evil that they were going to have to give account for. Sexual immorality had become rampant in the church. They were disrespecting, disregarding, dishonoring the Lord's Supper. They were allowing and permitting false doctrine to be taught. They were treating truth-tellers like the Apostle Paul himself, harshly and critically. And so what happens here is that Paul speaks up and he speaks out. What? Understanding the brevity of life here on this earth, which you and I need to know. Remembering the reality that we we're going to be absent from this body and we're going to, what? Stand before the Lord. Preparing for the promised judgment. Each one of us is going to receive what is due us. Fearing the Lord more than he fears mankind, he sets out to persuade others. Now, this is not maybe what you think about persuading everyone else out there. This is not about persuasion by way of um, evangelism, sharing the gospel with those out there. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not about apologetics, defending the gospel. You know what it's about? It's about persuading one another. To your left and to your right, certain members of the Corinthian church were lacking in Christian integrity and in spiritual integrity. So Paul's saying we have to speak into their lives. He defends his own ministry and his own doctrine by stating what? It's all known to God. God knows it all anyway, but I want it to be made known to you. If you ask any questions, like, yeah, but how can Paul really do this? Like, who does, who does he think he is? Paul is exactly like you and I. What? He is simply a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ by way of his job description. Yes, he has the unique position in office as an apostle, but he's still what? Just like you and I, with we are to be messengers of the good news. And so he speaks 
with boldness and confidence and assurance. He doesn't, he doesn't speak in cockiness. He's not arrogant here. Philip Hughes describes what Paul has and what I believe every single one of us need to have. He says, and I quote, Paul possesses the priceless and unassailable bulwark of the soul, the testimony of a clear conscience before God. Paul has a clear conscience before God. So what? As we seek to persuade others, we're to do what Paul does. He lives his life with absolute integrity, and he speaks truth with an accurate understanding of the Word of God. This word right here, which means what? If we are to do the same thing, we need to understand the Word of God. You need to, which means you have to ingest it. Study it. Read it. Learn it. Know it. Don't let it go to your head. You've not been deputized here as a spiritual sheriff, okay? You don't get a gold star on your vest. You're not policing other people. But what you are doing is this. Carefully, lovingly, and humbly walking alongside other people's lives and talking, talking into other people's lives. Telling them what? Constantly about the sovereignty of God. Telling them what? It doesn't matter that there's no, there's no sin that is beyond the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak of this. We speak of the fact that there's nothing that they can do to earn salvation. There's no works that can save. But what do we teach? What do we tell people about? It's salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. That's what we speak about into one another's lives. And I am compelled to ask, I must ask you, are you doing that? Are you doing that? Will you do that? Can you do that? My concern as your shepherd for over nine years, my concern is that it is not happening to the degree that it should be happening. Why? Because many do not have, as Hughes wrote of the Apostle Paul, a clear conscience before God. You're like, yes, I know it's known to God. I just hope that, what, the inside of my life is not known by other people. And the result is what? We can gather and we can do church, but the result is what? Our lives oftentimes are not healthy enough and strong enough spiritually to actually be speaking into other people's lives. And so we don't do it. How are we to make disciples? How are we to fulfill the Great Commission? Have you ever given thought to how your own boredom with Christianity or how your own disinterest or dissatisfaction, how your own lack of discipline, laziness, have you given thought how that impacts the people that are next to you? 
Let me give you a little hint here. Disinterest equals disinterest. Laziness begets laziness. Whereas on the flip side, the fear of God in your life begets the fear of God in other people's lives. Courage begets courage. Discipleship lacks. Discipleship is what? Walking with and following after Jesus. Discipleship lacks oftentimes because you are wandering in your own walk in following Jesus. You cannot challenge people to read the Word of God, to pray and to study and memorize it if you are not doing it. And it's not once a week. It's not peel your Bible out on Sunday morning. It's ingesting and feeding on it every single day. I think care lacks. Because we are living carelessly. I think love lacks. Because what? We're not loving. Faith lacks. Because faith lacks in you. In me. Holiness lacks in others. Because holiness lacks in you. Stinging, stinging truth. I know. Let me, let me assure you, this text has beat me up all week, long before it has ever got to you this morning. So what happens is what? We actually, we actually get stuck. And I think at some level, that's where we are. We're good. We're, we're comfortable. We're set. Well, I don't wanna, we don't want to speak and we don't want to press too much. And so we don't hold one another accountable. We don't challenge one another to grow. And so we just exist. Don't bother me and I won't bother you. My faith is personal. My, my faith is private. No, that is not the church. That's the social club next door. We are the family of God. Brothers and sisters, we are to care for one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. If you had by chance what you held in your hand, you possessed a vaccine for the coronavirus. You had by some miracle what? An antidote, a vaccine. An answer. Would you ever dare say, it's just for me, it's for my family. No, you would shout it. You would invite everyone, come. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not only the greatest, but it is the only solution to the struggles and the sorrows and the sin of this world. Well, I, I've, I've got struggles. And that's true. Well, I'm, I'm not perfect. Yes, that's true. And praise God for your honesty there. And praise God for humility. So do I. I have problems and struggles too. But that doesn't give us a free pass to just wait it out until we get to heaven. Realize Jesus actually teaches us. He tells us what we're supposed to do here. 
Again, you don't go racing up to someone to tell them that they have a speck in their eye when you have a log in your own eye. But do you realize what Jesus actually tells us to do in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 5? He says this, Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, there's a degree of responsibility that Jesus is teaching about. We have got to examine our own life. Why? Because other people are depending upon us, upon one another. Your sister needs you. Your brother needs you. Yes, in heaven we will be perfect, and we look forward to that. But until then, none of us will be. Thankfully, there was only one perfect one, and he's speaking to us this morning through his word and through his spirits. So the challenge is, are you going to follow him, or are you just going to keep talking about following him? For six weeks... We've been in a series called Church Reboot. The honest answer is, some of you just need a boot. And you know what I'm talking about. In love. But that's really what has to happen here. How much time are you spending in the Word of God every day? Not every other day. How much... Time has to lapse in your own struggle before you end up on your knees in prayer. Who is it? There's a name you can put in. Who is it that you are pouring your life into? Who is it that you're discipling? Well, yeah, I'm just, I'm not there yet. Okay, that's fine. Then who have you approached to ask? I, I need to learn more. I need you to help me. I need you to disciple me. How long has it been? When was the last time that you shared the good news of the gospel with someone in our own community? Versus what? How much time have you spent watching Netflix? Think of that. We only have so many hours and so many days. How much time have you spent trolling through Facebook, posting silliness? on social media, shopping online. How much have you sacrificed for the work of the kingdom of God? What ministry are you involved in? Pastor Josh just challenged us. We have got to step up to the work that God has called us to do here. An opportunity in a crazy disconnected world, we better be connecting in home groups and small groups. That might be the church of the future. We have no idea. I'm afraid I don't know if I have to wear a mask and sit in someone else's living room. Fear begets fear. Courage begets courage. Be wise. But the body of Christ better be connected. Pastor Tim, you're kind of like, did you have that gum this morning? Like, you're getting kind of amped up here. No, no. I simply know the fear of God, and so do you. Knowing the fear of God, we persuade 
others. That's what we do. We care about spiritual integrity. Number two, we care about personal humility. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you a cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance, not about what's in the heart. Paul says this, I love this, for if we're beside ourselves, what does that mean? We'll get to it in a second. It is for, it's all for God. There's no doubt because of our fallen nature, there is a danger that when we go about the work that God has called us to, to persuade others, it can sound what? Very judgmental. As we set about to do what God has called us, it can sound pretty like self-righteous. Like, who do you think you are? It can sound pretty prideful. It can sound especially arrogant. Paul knows that. He battles the same flesh that we do. And so what does he do? He disowns self-interest as a motive for any of his actions. And he says this, it is all, it's all for God. It's all what? For the glory of God alone. Now this type of thinking, this type of living, this type of teaching has caused other people to think that Paul was, here's an interesting phrase, Paul was beside himself. Do you know what that means? Some of you hold a translation in your hand that said, some people think that Paul was out of his mind. He was touched. He was, you know, the little emoticon with like the crossed eyes and the tongue out. He was crazy. That's what people actually thought Paul was. And I love, I love Paul's retort here. I love Paul's response his defense, his explanation, if we are in our right mind. He just leaves like a little bit of room. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. It's for you. He leaves a little bit of room for what? Us to think that, you know, those Christians, they kind of are, they kind of are a little bit touched. Christians that kind of are like a little bit crazy. They love when other people should hate. That's right. They give. Christians just give when other people would hold on to it themselves and keep it. They care when no one else would give a rip. Paul is certainly appropriate when he uses and he writes this in the very first chapter of his first letter in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the word or the message of the cross is foolishness. One translation says it's folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power. It is the power of God. Paul understands that an innocent person does not die willingly for a guilty person. It makes no sense. An innocent person does not die willingly for a guilty person. But Jesus did. It's exactly what he did. Jesus loves so much. We too are to love so much. Crazy, I know. Back in 2010, we stepped out of ministry, you know, for a year. As a family, we read, and it's a very fitting book uh, by way of its title, Francis Chan, 
I think he wrote it in 2010, wrote Crazy Love, if you remember that book. And we sat together as a family and, and we read this book. And let me read to you a portion of what it looks like to be like a crazy follower of Jesus. Francis Chan writes, sometimes I feel like when I make decisions that are remotely biblical, people who call themselves Christians are the first to criticize and say, I'm crazy. I'm taking the Bible too literally. When I'm not thinking about my family's well-being. Chan writes, for example, when I returned from my first trip in Africa, I felt very strongly that we were to sell our house and move into something smaller in order to just give more away. The feedback that I got along, the feedback that I got along was along the lines of, it's not fair to your kids. That's not a prudent financial choice. You're just doing it to show off. He writes, I don't remember a single person who encouraged me to explore it or supported the decision at that time. We ended up moving into a house half the size of our previous home, and we have never regretted it. My response to the cynics in the context of eternity was, am I crazy for selling my house, or are you for not giving more, for serving more, for seeking to be with your creator more? As Christians, we care about spiritual integrity. As Christians, we care about personal humility. And finally, we care about gospel purity. You know, it all boils down to what? It's, it's either you are interested or you are disinterested. It all boils down to what? It's, it's obedience or disobedience. It, it all boils down. It sifts down. It's, it's you're, you're caring or you don't care at all. Every bit of it has to be at the base of it, at the foundation, has to be who is it that you really are? What is it that you really believe? Why is it that we choose to live like we live? And Paul writes this, thankfully we are taught the love of Christ controls us. It all boils down to this one thing of utmost importance. It drives everything, everything. We have concluded this, or what? We are convinced of this. One has died for all. He died for all that those who live may no longer live for themselves. You see, you see the, the foundation here? Are you living in light of the truth that one has died for us? One has died for all of us. That it pours out. We love because someone loved us. And we are most unlovable at our very core. We give because someone gave to us and we didn't deserve it. We sacrifice because someone sacrificed for us. We care because someone cared for us. There are hurting people. Yes, certainly in our entire community. But do you realize that there's actually hurting people that are gathered right here this morning? 
that we cannot show the love of Christ to others until we what? Until we're loving one another. You realize that sitting next to you, there's people that are struggling. They're, they're grasping for things that are dangerous. They're gasping for air. And the local church, what? Is to what? Come alongside. We have to be speaking into the lives of one another. Go up to someone and invite them into your home. Commit to sit down with them and just listen to them. Cry with them. Commit to read the Word of God to them and with them. Speak truth into their life. Point them to the Savior who saved you. There's a holy God created everything out of nothing, spoke the entire existence, the universe, with one word. In his complete holiness, what man falls into sin because we have one decision to make, and normally we make the wrong one. But God loved us so much that he offered his own son so that we can put our faith and our trust in the full, finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that which is accomplished on the cross and in the tomb, that we too can have salvation, knowing that he paid the price to forgive us. Having received that... We should fall on our faces in gratitude. Say, every breath that I have is yours. We're not here just for ourselves. We're here to care for one another. When we care for one another, then we're able to minister to a community that is caught in darkness. And you be the light that is shining brightly to offer them the hope that exists only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Father God, I, I know that there's just some strong, strong words. And Lord, I just plead with you and pray that people would hear. Hear the fact that we have to examine our own hearts and lives so that we can speak into the lives of other people. My prayer is that people would hear, Lord, a message of, of truth in love. Not harshness, not hardness, not arrogance in any way. We're all broken. But we thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ who restores us and redeems us and heals us and puts us back together so we can live together for your glory. Lord, I plead with you to give us the help that we need to be obedient. Help us to look deep into the depths of our hearts and lives, to make the changes, to ask for help, to come along someone else. Knowing the fear of you, may you give us strength to persuade others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.